Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. This is the winning Warcry segment. Dan, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you. I won't ever get tired of hearing that intro. <laughs> Thank you. That Did you know that Jason wrote that? Really? Yeah. Wow, what a talented gentleman. I know. It's not uh it's not just like a stock uh, music thing. Like he actually wrote it about a year ago for our podcast as we were nice. kind of rebranding a little bit. Does he do a lot of music stuff? Not a lot, but he uh is a man of many talents. So he decided to okay. kind of put together. He I know he drums. Like that's kind of one of his like relaxation things. He's got like an electronic drum kit. Oh, and he'll cool. uh he'll like annotate uh you know, uh he loves like scandinavian death metal that he like okay. drums to mm -hmm. so it's pretty hardcore apparently <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah really that's, fast really that's hard cool <laughs> so speaking of jason we're missing him tonight he is traveling for work he is taking a red eye right now from los angeles to the eastern u.s and so he is missing our show unfortunately but i think the two of us can handle it we have a lot to talk about tonight uh, we have the new box set that's coming out uh, that's got corn uh, doggy dogs and vampire samurai. Uh, we've got some other Warhammer releases to talk about. But most importantly, and I know it's been covered in some other places, but we need its due diligence. We need to talk about the big fact that came out mm -hmm. that uh, will, I think, drastically change a competitive landscape for us. So I'm really excited to dig into that. But before we do that, of course, let's talk about our hobby table. Dan, what you working on right now? I'm a little overwhelmed, honestly. So we just had a little heat wave, a little February heat wave that uh, got the temperature up to 40, and that meant spray painting. So before then, I was like furiously building everything that I was hoping to test out before Adepticon to maybe paint up for the tournament and mm -hmm. so i got it all built and sprayed so i've got uh, a lumineth warband i might play in the narrative i've got uh some more stormcast i feel like i'm always drowning in more stormcast these days um ever since dominion really because i picked up the that box that has all of the stormcast that weren't mm -hmm. in dominion right, uh, right right that yeah that holiday box so i built that and I've got that whole thing, and I'm considering playing 1K of AOS. The one thing I didn't build was the dragons. And now that I actually look in the in the Stormcast book, it's like to win any of the battle tactics, you it kind of behooves you to have a dragon, even if you only mm. have one. So now I'm thinking maybe I even underbuilt a little. But yeah, I've got a lot of things now that are primed and ready to paint and uh, we'll see what I get into with those. So how is it that you live in like Northern Midwest uh, and you don't have an airbrush? I don't like it. Really? It just, like nothing even, about even, it appeals to me. Like even just for priming. Yeah, I could see it, but I don't know. It's yeah. It's never appealed to me. I've never really been interested to be honest. So I love my airbrush just because I can I can prime and I can zenithal super easy, mm -hmm. like and super fast, right? I mean, I can generally prime a warband in like ten minutes. You know what I mean? Um, 
Yeah, and, I can go uh, way faster than that with rattle can. <laughs> <laughs> well, mean, that's, a, that's a total zenithal, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, like, for example, I've been working on bone splitters. I decided I'm going to take them to the uh, competitive tournament. And so let's see if I can hold that up here. It's nice. uh, a little nice. hard. Let me see. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe that'll help. No, that's worse. Okay. So, but anyway, I got some bone splitters and like, it's hard to see with the thing. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, what We're I on radio did, anyway, <laughs> I know exactly, exactly. Well, this will go up on YouTube too. But um, what I did do is I basically Zenithaled um, and then I um, put down some kind of like a wash of like, Bugman's glow style, right? And yep. then I dry brushed with um some uh basically like if it, the equivalent of of like Ushapti bone kind of like on the skin, right? And then I tinted it with my airbrush with um Athonium camo shade. Mm -hmm. So I didn't give it a wash so much as like a tint. Like I sprayed it very lightly, right? And so it just tinted it. So yeah you ended up with a guy that looks like this. He's like brown, more cool. brown, green, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I dry brushed him again with the same kind of Ushapti bone and then did it with the Bealtan green to get some like nice color variation in there. So I really like the way that the skin has come out and the muscle definition and things like that. And it's not taking me nice. too long because I'm not like, you know, going each brush stroke over every single muscle, and they have lots of right. muscles. Obviously, those bone splitters do. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but then I'll go in with my, you know, hand brush, and you know, paint the straps and the bones and the teeth, and um, I'm gonna give them a like a white war paint on the face. Oh, um, cool. Hand okay. On style, right? Yeah. So, the great video of Vince Venturella the other day, where you take um like white pigment. And you basically add a little bit of um, uh, like flow improver in that to mm -hmm. get the thick texture that you need. That's yeah. thicker than a normal yeah. white, right? And then, then put it on there. So, nice. yeah. So I'm excited about that. So, yeah. But I mean, that's spoiler alert. That's what I'm taking to um, Adepticon. I think I settled on my list, which is a Savage Big Boss, uh, a Gore Grunta with uh, Gore Hacka a um brute boss with the big chopper mm -hmm. yep uh, from the iron jaws and then fill out the rest with a combination of um savage oryx with uh choppas and uh bone shields and i think one maybe one more boy in there because i had the point him. so um i like it it's seven models that mm -hmm. i'll have i think is a good kind of I think that's the average number that you need is about, okay. you know, um, and uh, I played it against a pretty competitive list the other day or a variation of it. And I was pretty happy with it. I got rocked against a Camara, but we can talk about like what that means later on when we talk about the FAQ. Sure. Uh, but then I played against a destruction soup list that had a gut Lord and a rock gut Tragoth and, Mm -hmm. in a squig hopper and um you know uh, or a squig boss actually like it was a pretty nasty destruction yeah. list um and they did pretty good like it came down to like the last 
what I should like, I realized that I should have gone after a different model at a different time, and oh. that probably would have flipped the game. You know what yeah. I mean? So it came down to strategy and tactics more than yeah. the actual army matchup. So I I was I was pretty happy with that. And what did you say your leader was going to be again? He's Savage be Big the Boss. Savage Big Boss. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. Like he's got a a strength of five and a three six damage profile. Yep. So yeah. and he's one eighty five. So he's pretty. I think he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I I just like the um. I really like the bone splitters, savage oryx with the um with the choppas and and bone shields because they have a toughness four and fifteen mm-hmm. wounds for eighty points. Yeah, which I think yeah, is absolutely. pretty good. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty good. So they're gonna get they're gonna be hard for to get off the board for eighty points. You know. Right. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I like them. I like them a lot. So we'll see how it goes. I think I might bring a Dark Oil Savager if I get into the uh, Warcry Nerd. I'm still on the waiting list for it, Ooh, which is okay. so weird because I literally like signed up right after Jason, and Jason got in like a day after he registered, and I've just been waiting. Well, so, there's always no-shows at those yeah. things, right? Yeah. So at the very least, you'll get in right at the end. But, yeah, I'll come prepared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if not, I've signed up for some other uh, other events. I signed up for the um, uh, the what is the um, Elder Scrolls skirmish game that they have? Oh, cool. like, I don't know about it. Like that. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a new and game D&D that came D&D out with just launched a skirmish game too, right? Yeah, I like saw they had launch. events there at Adepticon, but they were like were totally filled up. Yeah, like, I bet. You know, so and um, then there's a Warhammer. Age of Sigmar, like narrative skirmish game that they had put together. It's really weird. I guess the rules for it came out in White Dwarf, and you basically play as an adventuring party of heroes against adversaries. So you only have like one hero model, and mm. you roll and fight and stuff. It sounds interesting. So if cool. if the narrative doesn't work out, I got a backup. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So it'll be good. Anyway. But uh, yeah, so it, sorry that was my hobby table too. Talking about uh, the bone splitters, been working on them, so I'll have them ready. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I I gotta say though, I gotta plug the bone splitters box. It's a great box to get into Warcry. Like one uh-huh. box gives you so many models. Yep. You know, you've got there's twenty um, of them in there, and you can yeah. get what like four different things for each one yeah yeah so there's the there's the savage oryx with the choppers and shield the stickers and shields which are basically spears and shield mm-hmm. there's the more boys and then there's the arrow boys right yeah and so you've got four like four different and actually there's a fifth one that you can do which is the um the giant sticker i can't was i can't remember if that's the name of them but it's the dudes with like two of them and the and the giant spear Mm-hmm. Right. So and that's in the rules, too. So. um, So anyway, what I ended up doing is I made two of these, um, you know, big stabbers. That's what they're called. I made two of the big stabbers. Right. Okay. And then I made three of each of the other ones with one chieftain out of those three. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like you've got you've got four leaders. You've got, you know, lots of chaff. And then I picked up a, a big boss, and I mean that's a pretty decent, um, uh, that's a pretty decent bone splitters list. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
yeah, looking forward to that. So, yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Well, um, hobby table away. Let's talk about news, my friend. So, oh, there's so much. Okay, okay, yeah. let's hype ourselves up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> which one do you want to cover first? Which which bit? So let's talk about um, the thing that came out today because I think that um, it is like it's not as big as the box, right? So uh, Games Workshop revealed today, and I'm going to um, actually pop this up on the screen. Hold on one second. Regiments uh, of Renown. Yeah. So Games Games Workshop shared Regiments of Renown, and what they're um, – really meant to be are um, mercenary troops that you'll use in your um, Age of Sigmar. My friend thinks that they're going to be like costed about like 400 points, you know, and basically take up all of your ally slots that you, that you can use if you're talking about like, you know, Age of Sigmar. They did um, that before, but they actually called it mercenaries when they yeah. did it. They did what yeah. was that like two years ago, maybe three years ago? I don't exactly. I wasn't that into AOS at the time, so I wasn't didn't pay total. They did it, and but... some of those things didn't work out very well. You're just like, eh, okay. eh. you know, like, like I think I think a lot of people thought that they would get better allies elsewhere, you know. Okay. And one of the biggest problems is that it took away some of your command points, like you couldn't use oh. any command points in like your first turn if yeah. you had them, and that was like a big no no, right. So, um, but they are calling them, like you see this, regiments of renown, powerful mercenaries with skills that will wait well, that will, blah, that make them well worth the fees they charge their fair weather allies, mm -hmm. right? And so you've got um, six boxes here. Uh, you've got flit, uh, sorry, uh, Elthwith Thorns, which are the um, Sylvaneth ones. Big Grick's Cruel Shots, which is a box of... Um, uh, for the cruel boys, the Veramord Shamblers, which is zombies in a corpse cart. You've got Hagrax Pit Beast, which I think this is amazing for Warcry. You have the yep. Formoroid Crusher, the Ogreide Myrmidon, and the Mind Stealer Spheranx. Like you're talking about three of the major chaos allies that are used there that are in one box. And it's the so. perfect thing for a box split. So I'm yep. going to be splitting it in my play group. We're just going to buy one. I'm going to grab the Myrmidon because that's the only one I don't have yet. Oh, nice. And then, you know, each each person who gets it is going to grab one of them. And so everyone will have a brand new ally. So, And all three of those are pretty solid in they the are. game. Um, yeah. You know, in, in 1.0, they weren't quite as versed in how to write rules for these guys yet. And so... They were a little all over the place. Not all of them were as good as each other, or like you had the awkwardness of the Mind Stealer Spheranx was just a strictly worse version of the Contorted Epitome from Slanesh. Right. So it's like, what are we doing here? Um, but they've given them all pretty unique, pretty useful roles now in the game. And why not get that box if you're into Warcry and yeah. and uh, split it with people? Obviously, you're not going to use all three of those allies at a time, but uh, they're pretty sweet and they're definitely worth including in lists. So I played against uh, Casey, who is in our local uh, group here, and he um, was running an Ogoroid Myrmidon and a Formoroid Crusher with his uh, Corvus Cabal. Nice. And um, they gave him the so oomph had, what, like and two crows in there in the entire list. 
Um, he didn't have two crows because he only has one Corvus Cabal box, right? So, but oh, I he meant had like total Corvus Cabals. Oh yeah, <laughs> <At all. laughs> yeah. He ended up having. Let's see. He ended up having the leader, right? Um, and then like um, a, like two or three of the more chaffy ones, and then the two the two uh, allies there. But I'll tell you what, like that Formory Crusher is hard to kill. He is really hard to kill. And he yeah. it, he deals some damage too, so um, one one thing that nice about him is he has his ranged ability that um, you know does some serious damage, and you get around the uh, ranged attack rules because it's an ability, so you can target people who are engaged with your allies, right? Yeah. So uh, or, or with friendly fighters, so um, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty beefy. Uh, let's see. A pretty good uh, chance we'll be playing one of those at Adepticon. Yeah, oh, I've yeah. been really I'm sure. impressed with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, let's see. You've got uh, the Cities of Sigmar, Norgrim's Rune Throng, which is essentially um, the dwarf pack. Incredible. And... It's all the dispossessed stuff you could want. I guess there's one There's one box of dispossessed that's not in there, but it's got uh, four of the six dispossessed troops you could play. Yeah. And then you have a Rune Lord, which tons of people love as far as an ally goes but yeah every every little bit of dispossessed you could make an entire war band out of this and be perfectly happy i just love i to have see a, it. yeah and i have a feeling that that's going to be cheaper than the dispossessed start collecting boxes out there because that's going to like 115 120 dollars for the start collecting box now that has yep. a gyrocopter in it which i'm not in love with the gyrocopter and Warcry. Yeah, it's pretty um, terrible. The Warden yeah. King is pretty good, and that's in yeah. that start collecting box. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, you're sad to miss out on that. But otherwise, yeah, yeah this is amazing. Yeah, this is really good. Uh, and then you have the Disciples of Zinch here, which is the Coven of Thrix, which is a bunch of pink horrors, a magister, and then the endless spells for the uh, Zinch, which endless spells obviously don't do anything for you here in um, Warcry. So... I don't know how good of a value this box is going to be for the Warcry crowd, um, but I'm I'm not going to lie. I was seriously looking at pinks and blues for um, for putting together a warband because I love that double split ability that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it could be really powerful. Yeah, I think blue horrors are really solid. Um, yeah, pinks. So the tough thing about that split ability is because it's mm -hmm. on a reaction, right? So yeah. you want to bait the opponent into attacking things that haven't activated yet. And mm -hmm. pinks are just so expensive that it's hard to have enough activations to do that. Um, yeah. But if you skip straight to blues, uh, you get a lot more numbers on the table and, yeah. and it's a lot easier to pull it off. Yeah, you almost have to like move once and just be like, now what are you going to do? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like you can't move and attack or anything because right. otherwise like they get taken off the board and you don't get a split. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so there's no price on these boxes right now. We literally just found out about them today. What do you think? Uh, so let's let's kind of break down each box really quickly. Uh, we talked about Hagrax, Pit Beast and the... Um, and you know the value that they have there, which is high. We talked about the Coven of Thrix, which is the pink box and the Magister. I think the value is like low, probably low. on that yeah, one. Don't get it for yeah. Warcry because none of those no. models are 
even though some of them are technically usable in the game, none of them are usable in the game. Yeah. I think. Yeah, no, um, I hundred percent agree with you. I think it's low. We talked about Norgrim's Rune Throng, which is the uh, you know dispossessed uh, Iron Drakes and um, Longbeards and in a, a Rune uh, Rune Smith, I believe. Really, one um, of the best Warcry boxes that exists. Yeah. Yeah. So super high on the Norgrim's Rune Throng. Um, what about Veramore Shamblers? You got a corpse cart and what looks to be twenty zombies in there. Zombies are perfectly playable and good, but mm -hmm. I mean, you're not going to play that corpse cart in Warcry. So I think, and and zombies are tough because they're perfectly good, but also I don't think I would take them over skeletons or graveguard. Yeah, I mean, Soulblight Gravelords just has an embarrassment of riches, right? I mean, yeah. if zombies had their own faction. I'd be much more into this box, but yeah. there's just so much sort of chaff to choose from that that they just kind of get pushed out at the moment. So I would only get this if I was in love with the zombie model. And personally, yeah. I mean, I I find this corpse cart just kind of gross. Yeah, it's, not my <laughs> um, it's hard for me to get into it. Um, the yeah. zombies can be kind of whimsical and fun. I like some of the trees growing out of them, stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, the corpse card, I don't know. So I 100% agree with you. What are you going to do with 20 zombies in Warcry? Nothing, you know, yeah. like you're not going to, you're never going to use that much, and you're definitely not going to use a corpse cart. Um, you'd be better off finding um, some leftover zombies from a cursed city box or finding a cursed city box and and getting that because that's got a lot more soul blight grave lord like options you got like plenty of you got several war bands in that cursed city box that you could come up with um and i know that that cursed city box is going to be probably more than this i imagine that this is going to probably be to the order of probably 60 dollars in my opinion this box um and so Cursed City's probably, you know, you can probably find it right now, like maybe, I don't know, $100, $125, depending, um, maybe a little bit more. But I would rather spend the money there, get 10 zombies, get 10 skeletons, get the Vergsker, get the, you know, a lot of different things. You could even use, um, uh, you could even use uh, the, the main bad guy. Um, I'm looking at him right now. Why is his name slipping my face um it's not radagast that's lord of the rings um anyway Radicar. you can use you what's that radicar radicar that's it you can use radicar as a vampire lord you know so like you've got a lot of different things so i just i would pass on this like to me like this is low uh i'd put this on, on the order of the pinks box as well so yeah um what about Big Grick's Cruel Shot? So this is, it looks to be six Bolt Boy skewers and one Man Skewer. Um, or one I think skewer. it's a really cool concept for an AOS box. Yes. Uh, for Warcry, I don't think I would. Because really, Bolt Boy bosses are okay. Um, yeah. But regular Bolt Boys are not. And you can't even play the the uh, the artillery piece, right? So Yeah, it doesn't even have any rules. Yeah, so you can't really buy it for Warcry. Um, very interesting little AOS box, too, though, because uh, there was kind of this dream that Cruel Boys could be this castle gunline army, and then they were just worse than every other gunline army, right? <laughs> right. And so you, you just couldn't, 
you just can't show up with an army that's just a purely worse version of both Stormcast and Lumineth and yeah. Karadran Overlords, right? All right. three of those just do do the Bolt Boy thing better than Bolt Boys do. So if this is Bolt Boys, but actually good, right? If Because all of these get little buffs in AOS, yeah. little abilities. If those abilities are enough to make Bolt Boys and Killabos actually playable, then, then that's a really cool little AOS box. But no, you can't play it in Warcraft. So what's really, really interesting to me is that the um, rules as they stand right now with the Auric War Clan Battle Tome for Age of Sigmar, Cruel Boys cannot ally into Iron Jaws, cannot ally into Bone Splitters. Like none of those right. can ally into each other, right? It's only However, yeah. Unless it's a big wah, right? Which is like the worst version of all three put together, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. um, so what's interesting about this though is now an Iron Jaws army might be able to ally in oh. some Bolt Boys. Okay. Or a Bone Splitters list can now ally in some Bolt Boys. And you're, you're adding in a huge, um, uh, or, or you're filling a huge gap that exists in the both the bone splitters and the iron jaws list, which is they don't have any shooting whatsoever. And okay. now you throw a cruel shots in there. That's going to have its own rules that technically you're going to make it a little bit better, right? Like uh, that might be interesting, but again, yeah. AOS not Warcry. I would not get this for Warcry at all. Yeah. Like at all. Right. Um, if you want, if you want some bolt boys, look for the, uh, half of a Dominion Bucks that's still out there, yeah. right? Because you can build a whole war, uh, a crew boys uh, list out of that Dominion Box half, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, pretty well. So, um, what do you think about Elfwind's Thorn? So this is a Sylvaneth box. I think Arch Revenants are perfectly playable. It's not mm-hmm. the first place I would go in competitive Sylvaneth, but it's very playable and it's solid in any kind of casual game yeah. uh the little the flying archers i don't know that you could really play more than one in a war cry list because mm-hmm. they have so little output the they fly the fact that they can just go you know go to a point that's important and then stay there and just kind of pepper things perfectly yeah. fine for just one um i just don't know what you're doing with more than one just because it's not enough output to be sinking a ton of points into. So I could see buying it for Warcry depending on the price and depending on the discount, if you were kind of a completionist, but I, I would not, I wouldn't sort of counsel anyone to start this way or anything like that. Yeah. I, I see this as not a terrible, um, add-on to the Sylvaneth Warcry box, right? Like, if you already have the Sylvaneth Warcry box, it has, yep. like, tree, tree, um, um, or Spite Revenants and Tree Revenants and, and some Kurnoth Hunters, and, like, you know, you don't have the the Arch Revenant, and you don't have these little, like, Flitwing things. Like, you know, sure, this is, like, an okay add-on to it. Um, is this going to, like take you from somewhat competitive to like uber competitive absolutely not they'll probably make your <laughs> it'll make your warband weaker 
Now, it yeah. will be fun. Yeah, and in narrative stuff, it could be really yeah. sweet. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I think as a completionist, again, I don't know that I would look for this. I'd probably just pick up the Arch, Arch Revenant on its own and look for somebody who's selling those um, those uh, you know, Flitwing models like um, secondhand. You know, probably that's what I would do, um, because I imagine that, again, all of these boxes are going to be priced around the same. And my gut feeling is that they're going to be about sixty dollars. That's my that's my gut thought. Yikes. I mean, that's not a great that's not a price I'm interested in for any of these except for the dispossessed and the uh, and the three allies. Then if yep. that's the case, I mean, it's a huge discount if that is the number. But yeah. It's a huge, yeah, exactly. If you're looking at uh, Age of Sigmar, right? Um, it's a huge discount on those um, uh, on the Hagrax Pit Beasts, right? Like because those are normally going for like thirty dollars a pop, right? Thirty forty dollars. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if they come in around sixty. That's my guess. That's my guess. So yeah. Anyway. So we uh, we gave <laughs> we dug into every little bit of these boxes and uh hopefully we've still got some left for the blood hunt box that just came out that's right uh how i haven't heard your takes on them how excited are you for these two warbands so (laughs) that's true i haven't i haven't been super vocal about it um so with the blood hunt i so i watched i i did watch the battle report on warhammer plus i don't know did you get a chance to see it no, I don't have Warhammer Plus. Okay. So I did watch the battle report. Um, they looked interesting. Um, the so starting with the um with the corn warband um that we have there. Uh so so narratively, I like the idea that you've got this like Karnak worshiping warband right like it's yep. not like they're just like okay well let's make a run-of-the-mill warband that looks like um basically blades of corn 2.0 they're like okay no like they literally like are worshiping the dogs and so i love like the the skulls on the faces that make them look like beasts i like the dude who's running around like a beast and stuff like that so um i do i do like that aesthetic a little bit i know some people were kind of meh on it um, because they felt like it was kind of still standard, like Blades of Corn slash Slaves corn of Darkness. Dudes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. It's um, less of a twist than Rottmeyer Creed or Jade Obelisk were. I that totally agree. Definitely that. true. Yeah. yeah. Rottmeyer Creed might be the best war band that was put out, like, that with a twist, in my opinion. Um, yeah. You know, because Scions of the Flame and the Spire Tyrant and all those guys just looked like Dark Old Savagers with a little flair. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Their own personal flair. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the models. I love all of those warbands, right? But um, I think Rottmeyer Creed had such a distinct flavor about them that was so different, right? It was Nurgle without being Nurgle, and yet it was, you know? Yeah, if we're talking aesthetically, I think it's them, Corvus Cabal, and Jade Obelisk are sort of my three, yeah. my three top faves. But, um, but as far as coming up with an original twist that still, because Rottmeyer Creed feels like they should have been part of Nurgle the whole time. Yeah. That's what blows me away about them. Um, 
the jade obelisk like they work for zinch right they're breaking down statues which does symbolize change yeah so that is something that zinch would be interested in i get that but they look amazing i love them but they don't necessarily feel like something that should have been part of zinch from the Mm get-go the way rottmeyer do yeah and so i kind of agree with you there in terms of just hitting hitting every single part of it now these guys these corn guys um i like them as a little as a small little twist but i do kind of agree it's not it's not like a total reimagining that somehow Mm -hmm. also fits right like jade obelisk is a total reimagining of what it means to be zinch and i really like it and of course everything we said about rottmeyer so the dogs are cool it's a cool little extra thing you can be doing i probably will grab these because i have a decent amount of corn already um mm-hmm. just from uh, i've said this on a few pods but the wrath and rapture box is what got me into the game uh that oh was yeah my, okay that was my starter set yeah and so yeah so i've got a lot of corn and a lot of the dogs so so yeah. it would be wrong for me not to get the dog lovers as well um but i don't think i don't think at least right away that i'll run out and get a second like box of them to start mixing and matching and doing the whole deep dive or anything like that i think i'll probably just stick with one and you know maybe use it in sort of learn to play scenarios and stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah, I um so I, I again I watched the uh the battle report of it and I thought it was pretty good. Um the claws of Karnak oh my gosh, now now my memory is being tested. I thought that they ended up winning, maybe. Maybe okay. they didn't. Um it was pretty evenly matched between the two of them. Here's though, Dan. I'm like 90% positive that everything that happens in those um uh that happens in those uh battle reports especially for war cry are absolutely scripted like there's so many ways that things are going off at exactly the right time with exactly the right thing and exactly the right moment that I'm like that doesn't normally happen in a game where like the dude who's able to use that one ability and he just happens to have a triple to use it and everybody's around him, you know, to use it. I'm like, it just doesn't normally happen there. Or or like they have a quad at just the right moment to showcase that talent. You know what I I mean? Like, yeah, I doubt that they like sat down and wrote it beforehand, but it's definitely the result of neither player playing to win. Right. It's like, Hey, can you uh can you kind of play into this trap here? And it's like, you know, in a real game, your opponent would kind of avoid the area because they oh, know yeah. that you've set this whole thing up. They're not just gonna because especially both warbands have an ability where you get a big AOE bonus mm-hmm. if you get a kill. Yep. And those are fine. They're totally yeah. fine, but you never build around them because guaranteeing you get a kill you often want to be using dice to do that so that you wouldn't have dice left over so you can get just like maximum punished off the board for doing something like blood or blood for the blood god is one of those but they have they both have that uh aoe triple for yeah 
something where you can just get blown out if you are counting on getting that kill and holding up a triple to do it yep to get this buff after your kill and then you just don't even get it you whiff yeah and it's like if you had just turned that triple into an onslaught you'd at least have this have this yep. extra dice <laughs> that would have taken out the thing so yeah again oh, i don't 100%. hate those triples it's it's a nice little bonus they're nice when they work but you can just never ever rely on them yeah yeah and so um like i really noticed it in the um hunters of Huan Chi and the jade obelisk battle report like it was like everything was going just the way that the hunters of Huan Chi needed it to to show that they could be a viable warband and i'm like <laughs> i you know and i'm like hmm, yeah. hmm yeah. you know and and so i just uh I was not, I, I, I wasn't super impressed. It was so funny because I was talking about it with one of our guys that came to work right night. And he's like, it seems like this might've been staged a little bit. And I'm, you know, like, I don't think that they're literally like positioning the models according to a script, but like you said, they're like not playing to win. They're playing to showcase, you right. know, and that is a big difference. And I think it gives a false sense of sometimes what these war bands are about. Because, um, like, for example, the Hunters of Huan Chi won their battle against um, the Jade Obelisk. And I played that literal exact mission against Slaves of Darkness and got rocked, like <laughs> rocked, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, yeah. OK, all right. Um, all right. But talking about the Claws of Karanak, right? Um, they have I, I think that their abilities kind of are are, are somewhat interesting uh they for example so this is on the um warhammer community site uh that showcased the claws of karnak the reaction that they have they've got a fighter that can make um like if if there's a visible enemy fighter with one inch of them and they and they the enemy fighter makes a disengage action basically until the end of the battle round any friendly fighter that targets that one dude that one enemy fighter that made the disengage gets add one to their attacks characteristics so um where is this good i think it's good if like a little chaff model is holding somebody up and they have to disengage and they that chaff model can um use their reaction to add one to the attacks characteristics um but i think it's very situational for that as well yeah when would you want to use it over the standard anti right because you yeah. can normally deal some damage to someone when they disengage if you want to on a reaction yeah. anyway. So you have to be sure that that plus one attack is going to result in more damage down the line than you would have right. gotten from just the damage. So to me, it's like I'm sure there are times when that would be relevant. Like if you know your opponent is going to disengage just to charge something else, Yep. sure that that's totally valid but there's only so many things i can afford to remember in a game at least right. personally i'm like <laughs> four abilities that's the maximum yeah. yep. and if one of those abilities is the reaction i can keep it in my head i can keep it straight but if there's four abilities that are more relevant than the reaction i'm sorry <laughs> you're 100 correct it. right and and those abilities include the standard ones that are out there right like <laughs> rampage yeah. and onslaught and rush and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. right 
let alone the uh, the universal reactions you know like counter and things like that so um yeah no dude you're you're totally correct in this and you know the only time i can think that you would want this is if you have like a high wound model maybe that needs to be shanked badly and you know that you're going to take all of your dudes and kill that thing you know so like maybe it's an assassination mission and that assassinate guy needs to die right yep so yeah maybe but again um just because something gets plus one attacks doesn't mean that um that's going to translate into damage either yeah, right. you need multiple. You're gonna need multiple attack activations so that it's yeah. really like plus three attacks because right. you've got two different models getting in there or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if something's disengaging, it's it's likely not charging into something else because then what it would like what like why would it charge into something unless for some reason it has to, which again is very situational, right? Like right. It's three, and they're probably like winning the game by doing that. Right, like I've seen someone disengage and then rampage, and then they yep. get two attacks. Yep. And and but like you wouldn't do that unless it's gonna basically win you the game, right? Yeah, totally. So totally. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when this is really gonna work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like some of their regular abilities, though. Yep. I think I was just talking about how you can get really screwed over on Blood for the Blood God because of you leave up dice for it and then you don't get the kill and it's like Mm. this huge disaster for you. But now they've got that ability where you get inspiring presence, but it's a double instead of a triple. Yep. And that's not so bad because then it's like you left your dice up for blood for the blood God. It didn't work. It's very sad for you, but you've got this consolation prize and then you bring in your buddy and then your buddy finishes them off and then maybe your buddy does blood for the blood god at that point you know who knows right but yeah. you can kind of get these little cons- anyway this sort of consolation prize for going for blood for the blood god and not getting it and that's kind of nice yeah so they've got that what you're talking about is the pack hunters right which yeah, is yeah, that um a visible friendly fighter within six inches of this fighter that has the um claws of karanak and agile rune marks that hasn't yet activated can activate immediately right and so um what's kind of interesting is a lot of them have the agile rune mark on them it's not yeah, just all um, the cheap ones all the blood welts and then yep. also the uh the guy on all fours the hound of wrath Who's uh, a beast. he's so funny if i yeah. was gonna get two of this warband it would just to be like to paint <laughs> two of this one guy i mean i think i just think he's the funniest model that they put out for just war cry i if there's another one i can't think of it i mean he's just so endearing what what i love is i i'm like how far does this guy take this all the time does he go back to camp and keep rooting around on all fours oh my you god know? i hope so right <laughs> you know and they're just like oh yeah he's a dog now like we're just gonna keep yep. treating him as a dog you know and like yep. do they pet him and be like who's a good boy you know <laughs> yep yep <laughs> yeah so i mean but he's a beast though he's got five attacks strength four two four damage like he's he's pretty he's pretty good he did really good in the in the battle report like he um and he had some abilities like that um i think he had a area of effect ability that um that uh, blenderized some guys around him so he was pretty pretty legit oh yes he has that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he can take out some chaff models yeah, yeah, that part's pretty good. 
Uh, I think yeah. it's like on a four up, mm-hmm. you deal three, but it's everything within one inch. Yeah. And he has that long base, so you can kind of Tokyo drift him into a pile of enemies. Totally. So that's actually pretty useful. I was comparing him to um, there's a Skaven that has exactly the same profile, but one oh, strength. Okay. Uh, and so I was kind of thinking about, like, obviously the Skaven, if with no abilities, the Skaven model is much, much better. And that's the Doom Flayer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do do the abilities on this guy? Because he's got Pack Hunters, he's got his yep. AoE Blender thing. You know, does that make up for the having one less strength? And it's, I think it certainly makes it a, com- or a conversation. So, yeah, yeah that's I cool. Yeah. What's interesting about the pack hunters, right, is it it doesn't require a leader to activate that, right? Right. Um, it's it, like it's basically anybody who has the agility rune mark can activate it, and like you said, most of the most of the models end up having the agility rune mark. And so, let's say you had like three or four doubles, you can daisy chain like four dudes. Yeah like all at once like boom 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 and like really let them go to town um if you i'm if really you've got interested that. to see how good that is mm-hmm. um because i honestly i do think that that warband is pointed as if that that ability is amazing i think right. generally a lot of their fighters are just a little bit weaker than similar things you can get elsewhere but i mean inspiring presence I so rarely use it because I tend to play warbands that have some of the best triples in the game. Now we'll get to right. the FAQ and how that has, is maybe changing, but it's inspiring presence tends not to be what I am interested in when I have triples, but it's man, doubles are so much easier to come by than triples are. So they are. So this could be really good. The problem is, is remember you have you have to have a friendly fighter that's within six inches, right? Should have been so eight. what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, no. Gotta be right? eight. <laughs> it has to be eight. It has to be eight. Come on, guys. Yeah. You know, so anyway, how um, about these true blades? How about these uh sort of vampire monks? I think beyond their mechanics, first of all, I think their lore is so cool where they're their lore is cool. They're the first good guys in death, right? Because they're like, oh, we have the vampire curse, but through the power of Buddhist discipline, we are managing to not ever eat people. And, you know, we only eat like savage beasts that are roaming the countryside. Yeah, I just think that that's really cool lore. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, and again, you've got vampires versus like, you know, doggos. So the question is like team Jacob or team Edward, right? Of course. Like, like <laughs> which, which one are you on? You know? So um, I think I'll be honest with you. My first thought, my very first impression, and it's sort of evolved, but my very first impression is like, oh my gosh, do we need another soul blight grave Lord war band? Like so many have come through underworlds. Yeah. So many have come through Underworlds. It seems like every other Underworlds thing is a Soul Blight Gravelord, right? Yep. And so I'm sitting here going like, oh my gosh, do we need another Soul Blight Gravelord? I have since come around and said, okay, A, you can't use this with the Soul Blight Gravelords because they're their own faction. So that's, I think, a win, right? And B, 
they have a truly magnificent aesthetic in my yeah. opinion that is different than the soul blade grave lords and so i have to appreciate it for kind of what it is right and these guys look like you know either shinto monks from you know ancient japan or they look like ronin samurai that are trying to like you know live their live their lives in the way according to their you know monastic code yeah so yeah. They definitely have that um, Eastern kind of ancient Orient like vibe about them um, and more Japanese than like like a Chinese or Korean, I would say. Maybe maybe a little bit of Korean in like there. A right? little bit of Tibetan and a lot of Japan, which right. is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I really do like the big corded belts that they have. Like mm -hmm. that just mm -hmm. screams like... I like that too samurai you know and and kind of like a blood knot type of thing that they have and i think that that's very cool um and i love their swords like their swords are just wicked looking you know um it's almost I like, like a... their maces the those big long maces mm. that they have i think that yeah. those are so cool yeah so they've got they've got some really good models in this one um how do you feel about their their rule set um i like how unique they are mm -hmm. so there's a was it three hit three on a hit four on a crit mm -hmm. and pretty high strength fighter yep. in that warband and i just think that's the coolest we've been needing to have a couple fighters like that for a long time their leader is i think six and then four on a hit six on a crit which yep, is just yep, so three. cool. I love yeah. crit fishing. I get that it's like the thing about Warcry is that there's crazy moments and that time when you roll three crits on the, like your weakest fighter, but <laughs> right. somehow you dealt 12 damage because three of your things were crits. Like people love that. Yep. But I like having fighters who the majority of their damage isn't through crits. I like that mm -hmm. a lot. So I love these profiles that are few attacks, but each attack does a lot of damage. Sort of as long as you don't roll a one or a two, you're going to do a lot of damage with each attack. I think that's really cool. And one of the things I also like about it is I wasn't that impressed with their abilities, mm -hmm. but their ability is Onslaught. Because Onslaught yes. is better in that warband than it is in any other warband in the game. So that's yes. really cool. I love that. Yeah, definitely. I was not crazy about um, their their abilities either. Um, like their quad is uh, not good. Yeah. I'd rather have Rampage every day. It got to the like, point where sometimes I don't even read new quads. Like honestly, <laughs> I yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm like I read it. I'm like, eh, meh. Yeah. It's not Rampage, right? Yeah, and, and then I forget about it immediately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I w I wonder if they could come up with a just a better quad. I don't know, like or it just does something different instead of rampage, right? You know, I mean, it wouldn't. Yeah, rampage is such an important part of how I approach the game. Like, I don't play warbands that don't have at least one fighter that can rampage well even though mm -hmm. i don't ever rely on it i just want that bonus i want if i get a rampage in round three i just automatically win the game i love having that ability 
Yeah. But I don't know if it's the best for the game because just because of all of these faction quads that are just strictly worse than Rampage, or when they are better, it's like you know only on Thursdays when the opponent <laughs> is on their second beer but hasn't started their third, and like yeah, it's rough. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I I one hundred percent agree with you. Um, the even so, I do think that their reaction could come in handy sometimes, where um, before you're like when you're targeted by a melee attack action, but before the hit rolls are made, you can add one to the fighter's toughness characteristic. That mm-hmm. could come in handy and and make a difference. I think it's fine. Yep. Um, yeah. However, sometimes on the is it the ascetics aesthetic. The, the cheapest ones, the 90-point ones. Yeah. You'll use it sometimes. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, however, it's the Elite Fighter Rune Mark that's on there. Oh, it is? Okay. Yep. Unplayable. Yep, right? <laughs> like, why would you do that? Like, so, so for example, the leader has the Elite Fighter Rune Mark. Um, I mean, he's, he's toughness four. I mean, I wouldn't trade up one of his attack actions for that. Ever. Never, unless I was literally carrying a treasure and about to die, and I knew I was gonna die. Like, because even, yeah, even if there was a chance of getting out otherwise, yeah, I can't, I just can't imagine it. (laughs) (laughs) How about the 115 point guys? Do they have it? Um, if they can do the reaction, uh, even then, I don't think I'd want to, yeah. That's, yeah, that's I, I don't know that I would either, right? The only but time I that I would like... use it is my little tiny chaff guys, mm-hmm. which they're not going to have it. But I still like them even with even with all of these issues, even with all these terrible abilities that they have. Like, Terrifying Howl, okay, there are legitimately some factions where you will want to do this, yeah. but it's, you know, it's what, one in five games that you'll play? Right. is going to be something we're terrifying how that's the one where till the end of the battle round enemy fighters within three inches can't use reactions mm-hmm. again some factions that's going to be great most factions not at all uh because you know they're gonna they're gonna activate near that guy first so that when they're actually doing things with reactions then it's not going to be near him Right, you like yeah. you don't actually stop your opponent from reacting by using terrifying howl. So, yeah, I just can't see it with their abilities. Luckily, I think that their damage, their profiles, their actual cards are so unique and so interesting that yeah, um, that I I like them anyway as a as a faction where it's just like I use onslaught, I use rampage. They're the simplest faction, and that's perfect. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing about that terrifying howl, I actually think it comes down to the player less than the game that you're playing or the faction. Because um I think for the most part, a lot of people don't use reactions that often. They would rather, you know, move, they would rather swing, they would rather do that thing. I will say this that I played um, I don't know if you remember Andy um from the Nova Open tournament. He won the best painted models. Yeah, I do. So he was, um, he, I played uh, his destruction soup list uh, the other night with my bone splitters. And boy, oh, he, I didn't was know he was in your neck of the woods. That's cool. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's probably about an hour. He's like two hours north of where I live, an hour north of where we play. Oh, right? okay, great. So, Perfect. Yeah. So um, anyway, so he's in my neck of the woods, and um, we were playing together. And I'll tell you what, he made great use of reactions. Like, I was taking more wounds on myself, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was giving him sometimes, you know, especially yeah. for like small, he had small little gits, like little netters and stuff like that. He'd be like reaction, 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 because like yeah. he knew that they weren't going to do anything. Um, and they were just there to throw nets, right? Well, netters so... are the perfect thing to be reacting. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I would use terrifying howl against is gloom spike gits. Yep. Um, it's, it's them and it's anything like, uh ocr bone reapers where they've got those toughness five chaff guys or you know fire slayers who have that slightly worse version of that same gloom spite thing or or skaven too it's just most factions don't do that um and the thing i was saying before about how it's not actually going to stop your opponents from using reactions i was more saying like once you use this curse blood First, you don't have the benefit until you use it. So you have to right. prioritize using it early in the That's round. True. Yep. And then once you do, they'll just they'll do their regular activations with everything around it first. And yeah. so if they're a reaction heavy warband, the whole rest of the battlefield they can still react and they just won't burn those activations. So right. that'll be what goes last. So they still might just hit you with four or five reactions in that round, depending right. on you know. He's the um he's a uh a six inch bubble essentially on a you know on a on a twenty two by thirty board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Right>? exactly. <laughs> so okay, cool. Fun, you know. So um I do I like I'm gonna pick up the box. Last thing that we need to talk about, what do you think of the terrain in this one? You know, it's funny that we're leaving this to last because I, this is the one thing that I'll probably paint first. I think okay. it's a really excellent addition. First of all, actual line of sight blocking. I know that shooting isn't really something in the meta that people are super scared of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still just nice to have. You never know how the game will evolve over time. And I just think... Like seeing more out of the bamboo is something I wanted. And so I still want to see what the bamboo looks like wild. I want to see like a bamboo thicket, right? But do you not have bamboo up where you live? No, we don't. Really? It can't survive. No. That's interesting. We have bamboo around here in Virginia and it's like in totally invasive species. And people yeah, hate it because it just <laughs> won't stop like growing. Because it grows forever, right? It just yeah, like it's actually like out. one organism with sev- like several shoots. So if like you yeah, chop yeah. down half of it, like, like it'll still keep grass. Growing. Isn't it just big grass? Isn't that Basically, what bamboo is? Yeah, yeah. big hard grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But I just mean I want to see it in in Warcry in the game. Anyway, I think that yeah. the bamboo castles are cool. But yeah, I do too. I actually like this terrain much better than um, the most recent box that was in the. Um, mm-hmm. The Heart of Stone. Is that what it was? Heart of Stone box? Uh, Sundered Fate. Sundered Fate. Sorry. Heart of Gur, but with stone people. There you go. Yeah. Sundered Fate. Um, I actually, I think Sundered Fate was maybe my least favorite um, terrain for this yep. kind of aesthetic that we have. 
And um, I think this one's better. I do kind of like the boxier feel of it. I feel like this is kind of like if I were to make a bamboo dwelling, like this is probably more of what I would go with, like enclosures and ladders and things like that, (laughs) rather than just rope bridges and climbing up things. Right. So, um, yeah, you get you only get two trees in this one. Right. But um, uh, I think I think it more than makes up for it with the. I guess the bamboo fort. So um, I also like kind of the blocking line of sight. I think those, those add interesting things in the game because if you're not paying attention, you can hide dudes in strategic places um, when you've got line of sight blocking, when everything's open, it's hard to like find hiding places for guys. And I feel like in a skirmish game, hiding places are like probably what some of your little cowardly dudes would do, you know? Um, Absolutely. as so, yeah, as they should. So, I think, um, I think having like less visual, um, is interesting, like less, like, like you said, le- less line of sight. So, I still think that this is again like half of a normal terrain box, and they're asking us to pay for a full one, yeah. And that that does kind of get my goat a little bit. Like, I think Games Workshop's getting a little greedy with some of this stuff, um, in terms of like expecting us to like continue to buy a half a box worth of terrain of what used to be a full box for the same price, you know? So what we're seeing here is total shrinkflation, you know, Um, (laughs) where you're paying more for less rather than paying more for the same amount. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, you're paying you're or sorry, you're paying the same amount for less rather than more for um, uh, less. Anyway, yeah, whatever. You you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shrinkflation. Anyway, so um again, I think between the three boxes, you can have two full tables now, uh, which I think is good. But mm-hmm. you're definitely like I wouldn't if I went to a tournament and I put the centered fate or the blood hunt on the table, I think people would say, like, this seems like a pretty sparse table. Yeah, I include a set of Sylvaneth Woods yep. when I put my Sundered Fate on the table, because otherwise it's just not enough stuff. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think you have to. I think you have to. So, um, I'll probably end up picking this up. I, I'm likely gonna wait until it hits Amazon, just because I've got a gift card that I'll probably use to pick it up. But, mm, nice. um, you know, I'm but I'm also kind of a collector when it comes to this type of stuff. Like I'm all about collecting things these are my yeah, these are my you know precious moments dolls <laughs> <laughs> and so, one cool yeah. thing about getting these boxes fast and thick you know you can you can make this sort of more sober decisions right because the sundered fate box is still around so if you yeah. see this and decide hey i actually prefer the old one you can get that instead or you can you know, jump on this because you see that the terrain here is better than it was in Sundered Fate, and this is mm-hmm. probably a better place to start than Sundered Fate was. Um, all sorts of stuff like that. And it also means that they are throwing FAQs at us multiple times a year yes. instead of yep. just once a year, which is wonderful. And the last FAQ was pretty darn exciting, wasn't it? It was, and that kind of brings us to our main topic of the show. You know what, Dan? I totally had all of the Jade Obelisk guys. Like, we didn't even really talk about Jade. Well, let, actually, we need to talk about Jade Obelisk a little bit. You wanna, you wanna put this one on hold and go to Jade Obelisk? Let's do it. Let's talk about them real quick. I don't, because yeah. to be honest with you, like, 
I'm not crazy about them. Let me put it this way. Really? Okay. What I is think, it about I, them you don't like? Well, I think they're I think they're perfectly average. Okay. You know what I mean? So I think that they're like the hunters of Juan Chi are like F tier in my opinion. <laughs> and I think uh-huh. that there's other ones that are like, you know, better uh, for a bespoke war band. I actually think that they're probably B plus uh, a minus tier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, for, for just bespoke stuff. So I think that they're, I think that they're decent. I think that they're average in the overall meta though. If you're just going to take my, instant opinion what do you what do you think just straight out of the gate hot take where where do you think that they fall into the meta um so first of all all of the hundred point fighters they're the most damage efficient thing in the game and yes that's pretty cool uh anytime you're the best at something i'm willing to take note now, the thing they're the best at is kind of tough, right? I mean, 12 wounds on toughness 4 for 100 points. That would be fine on a fast fighter who, or like a fighter with 2-inch or 3-inch range who can yeah. put themselves in positions to be pretty safe. Um, it's a little bit nerve-wracking on a 3-inch fighter who's just not going to be able to choose where and when the fight happens. So... You know, the, the semi-elite fighters are really interesting, but I think it's going to take a lot of skill to use them correctly. Yeah. Now, the one thing that really frustrates me this with this warband is the cheap fighters are only five points cheaper than the <laughs> next ones up, which is really, really annoying from a list-building yeah. perspective. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's not a lot of variation there, right? Yeah, yeah, which is fine. Um, the thing that I like is the obelisk bearer because so you can go like slow glass cannon which i don't know if that play style is viable Uh or you can just go these 95 point people who are just medium at everything i don't think that that's very interesting the archers are just stone unplayable the worst thing i've ever seen but this jade obelisk guy 110 points but for that price, you're getting 20 wounds, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Yeah. And then a 4-4-2-4 profile, which normally you know isn't the most exciting thing, except getting it for 110 points is actually pretty remarkable. Yeah. So he's really interesting. I wish he had the rune mark as well as the Neferite Priestess, because yeah. um, the, the lack of anything cheap, He's the kind of fighter I'd want to put into a warband that can get cheap fighters onto the board. Mm. The Neferite Priestess also has 20 wounds for that 105 um, point profile. Yep. So you don't have to be all made of glass if you don't want to be. It's so funny looking at the cards that you've got up here. It's like these two are 20 wounds. And then for the same price, you can have this Eidolark for only eight for only eight wounds right yeah (laughs) the first thing i think i would do with this warband and i've got them i've you know they're on my list of things to paint up eventually and i'll try them once i do but the first thing i would do is i would cut the idol arc and i would cut a couple of the 95 point guys Uh and i just bring in something fast um because the idol arc is not doing it for me 
Yeah, yeah I would cut one of these 95 pointers, and then that gives you 200 points to spend on something quick. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's fair, and especially if you can find something that may help you with movement, right? Because that is definitely the biggest weakness of this warband. Look, you know, having a hundred point fighter that can go four attacks, strength five, two five damage, like that's a very cheap stormcast eternal. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, it's toughness four. Yes, it's only twelve wounds, so that could go down pretty quick. But the three inch movement is what is just so tough for me there, right? Like, yeah, again, a Stormcast Eternal is only three inch movement, but they also have like 25 wounds or something like that. So, <laughs> 20 you wounds know. on like toughness six, you know, yeah, exactly. something like that for 30, 30 <laughs> more points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, so I, I agree with you. I would rather go the, the 95 point guy. I think your, your statement where he's, he's medium at everything which just makes it mediocre right like yeah. it's just okay i mean why would you go with a 95 point and for five more points you can up your damage profile significantly you can up your tough or strength profile significantly and you also have more wounds right i guess because the 95 point you know double hammer guy has an extra point of movement and yeah like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess, you know, so, like, I don't know why I would go with a 95 point guy. And again, the, the bow guy is not worth it whatsoever. I will say this, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we get into their abilities, but I really dislike the ability. Well, I dis I, I really like some of the abilities, but I dislike some of them vehemently. Um, because the ones where you have to, they revolve around the priest and the obelisk. Yes. Yes. I hate those so much, right? Because what it means is that you have to have these two kind of hanging out sort of in the same vicinity and you don't want to put them in separate battle groups because you might be coming on, on two different board edges right? with that, you know? And so like you need to put them in the same battle group, but you know, that's kind of putting eggs in too many eggs in one basket, maybe depending on what your build is. And mm-hmm. I just, and, but then again, if you put those two in one group, then your other guys are going to be in a different group, which means that they can't take advantage of that healing property anyway, because they're on the other side of the board, you know? <laughs> so yep. like, it's such a catch 22 that I, I don't like the way the design, the way that they design the abilities affects the way that you can play this war band, I think effectively. And, and it forces so, you to get a second box. I think like you yeah. just have to have two obelisk bearers to really yep. make it work. I agree. So looking at their, I, I've got their abilities right here. Um, the stone warp. Look, this isn't, it's not a terrible, it's not a terrible ability in that anybody can use it, right? You do have to be within nine inches of an obelisk uh, or sorry, an icon bearer. And then yep. if you're also within six inches of the priest, then you get like full health of your, of the ability. Otherwise you get half rounded up. Um, this is fantastic. None of them have for... any health anyway. I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the only way you're going to keep them alive, though, maybe. Um, but uh, this only works well in a game like Ley Lines or Hidden Treasures or something like that, where um, the objective markers are disappearing from the board and you're going to end up converging on one. You know, like, sure. so all your models are going to get into kind of the, like the same bubble. 
then maybe it works. But if you're working on a, any kind of like assassinate mission or a hunter killer mission or something like that, I just don't, or treasure mission. Like I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Like I just, Same. it does, it doesn't happen. So, um, it, so that's with that one. And again, the quad, right. Which is the, might don't of the read speaker. quads. Don't get mad about quads. <sighs> we can just tell just the people cool. the quad is useless. It's Never so read bad. quads. <laughs> this is my yeah. new policy. My new, my late New Year's resolution for 2023 is not to read quads. <laughs> yeah. So um, I mean, so let's talk about some of the ones yeah. that don't rely on the obelisk bearer. Maybe, so, maybe those will make you a little less mad. What do you think about a rock shattering blow? Okay. This is so the one on the hundred point guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I think this is a very good one. Add one to the strength. So they're already starting out at strength five, yeah. right? So this bumps them up to strength six, which puts them in very competitive mode of taking out some Stormcast Eternals, taking out a Gut Lord, taking yeah, out, yeah, you know, jaws. Some yeah. Iron Jaws. Like I think that they can be competitive against these really high toughness um, fighters that are out there with just a yep. simple double. That's not very hard. And you get to add damage points to each hit and critical hit. So yep. all of a sudden, like instead of just doing three, five, right. That they were, that they were hitting on before they're doing I mean, four, six. It makes or... me more interested in the one that has four, five, two, five, because mm -hmm. you get the extra attack, more hits to get buffed off of. And yep. then all of a sudden you're throwing four, six, three, six. Yeah. I mean, that's just absurd. Right. Yeah. Um, so if I were playing Iron Jaws, like you said, Iron Jaws Stormcast, I'd be terrified of Jade Obelisk. And I think so, it's cool to have kind of a rock, paper, scissors situation in the meta. Yeah, the big, Savage Big Boss, by the way, um, he's 185 points. He has three attacks, strength six, three, six, or strength five, three, six. So okay. look at this. This is 100 points with a double. You're bringing him up to if not beyond the ability of the savage big boss, right? Yeah. So I think that's good. The hammering strikes, I think, is kind of situational. Like, yeah. those little guys have to be hit first, and then they can do it. But I think we agreed that those little guys probably aren't worth it. Take the 100-point guys right. and just don't Only even worry about this points. one. And then get yeah. your speed somewhere else. Because those four, four inches of move over three inches, that's not changing your life, really. No. Uh, no. So... So get rid of them and bring in an ally that is quick. I definitely yeah. think these guys have to have at least one quick fighter. And I'm not sure if the idol arc is it. Uh, <sighs> let's look Especially... at the triple. So yeah. yeah, go ahead. Pick a visible enemy fighter within nine inches of this fighter. Subtract half the value of this ability from either the move or the toughness of that fighter to a minimum of one until the end of the battle round. I do think this is pretty cool. If this was on a fighter that was good on its own mm -hmm. or just playable mm -hmm. on its own, I'd be pretty excited about it. What's interesting is you throw this on a gut lord, right? Who has a movement of three, but can double move and then has like a bonus, like a, or uh, can use a double to basically give a bonus move. And oh, then you're attack, talking about right? mega bosses right now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You throw this on yeah. a mega boss, no, nah. yeah. well, because then their bonus move is also only 
one. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. So Mega Boss, Gut Lord, some Tyrant, for example, right? That can use a, a bonus to, to move. Well, the ogres like, give themselves plus three to move. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, double. yeah. You got a good point. That's a good um, point. So that's a little tough. But if you make an ogre go from four to then, I mean, if you really spike this and go four to one inches of move, and uh-huh. then plus three is just back to four, and then they have to waste this double to get, you know, that's that could potentially be important in a game. Definitely. Yeah. But um, still, like a, an Orca Mega Boss or, um, you know, something like that, where all of a sudden they have to use a double move to just move regular, like that's pretty big. You've basically taken away an, uh, an activation from them. Yeah. You and know. the same is true of robbing them of their toughness. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I mean, if you're getting a bunch of the 100 point guys, it's not that important because they have strength five anyway. But if yeah. you're spamming a bunch of obelisk bearers, right, and they only have strength four, then yeah. gaze of the idol arc, all of a sudden, you know, that obelisk bearer really blenders toughness three things. Yeah. So if you can get them down to toughness three, that's that's pretty good. So, but yeah, but let's say you have an annihilator that's toughness six, right? And you spam him down to toughness four. All of a sudden, your um, your uh, hundred point boys don't have to use their double hammering strikes to push up over anymore. Like they already right. over hitting on a three up, right? So yeah, if you know at least two people are going to fight them then yeah. absolutely worth it because then you know it's saving you two doubles there which is yeah. really nice um so let's kind of flip back to the idol arc itself yep, though yep, yep. does this triple ability make you think about this profile in a better light um look he's he's 105 points because he has eight inch of fly movement right like that's yep. why he's 105 points Three attacks, strength three, one three damage is not gonna do diddly in this game. And he only he's toughness three with eight wounds. I mean, something with a stiff breeze will blow this guy over, you know. So you really have to use him almost strategically. Um, maybe he can cap some objectives for you. Maybe he can, you know, while he's doing that, he's staring something down to kind of make it easier. But you can't get you won't be able to put him in the action very much and with the new FAQ, he's not going to be the greatest treasure carrier, um, right. you know. So, and we'll, we can talk about that a little bit. But you know, he basically takes away his fly ability. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I don't know. I mean, would I put him in there? Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. I think it depends on my meta because if I knew I had a lot of high toughness, then maybe I would for the ability. So- Someone did show up to my tournament, uh, the tournament I ran last month. Two people were playing Jade Obelisk. I was so impressed oh, at how wow. quickly people had painted this warband. Awesome. And aesthetically, like I've said, this is one of the three favorite warbands yeah. aesthetically that they've ever put out for me. So like, I will be painting them eventually. So maybe other people were also excited, but... One person was straight out of the box, and they actually went two and two. So I do think there's something to just the huge damage output Mm -hmm. from those other guys. But another person did try 
playing two idol arcs and really leaning on that speed and leaning on that triple ability. And it seemed um, he went, he did win a game. So he went one and three. Mm. But I think part of that is like he's very experienced and very good. I don't think the average player would be able to win any games ah. <laughs> with two idol arcs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm very skeptical of it. I should ask him. I'll need to ask him after this podcast because yeah. um, he's one of the uh, Dogs of Warcry folks. They oh, came to yeah, and uh, that whole play group uh, won a lot of games at my tournament. It's a good reminder that the folks who play a lot are good. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Even if they don't play competitively, just getting a lot of reps in, even if they're narrative reps, even if they're like not trying very hard reps, uh, it just gets you comfortable with the game and it gets it so that you're going to beat people who are trying to be competitive but who don't really play very yep. much. Um, yep. Anyway, so yeah, I, I'm pretty skeptical about idle arcs, but I'll have to ask around about them. I'm, I'm interested if maybe other people are having better luck. Also, eight wounds on three toughness Ugh. is just such a problem, especially I mean... in a warband that doesn't have chaff to like protect it with. I don't know. You know what's wild is like bow guys, like the bliss barbs could take this guy down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's scary because you don't want it going too, too far um, right. on its own. And or like yeah, you can't cap objectives with this guy if all of a sudden, like let's say you're playing against Lumineth Realm Lords, and they've just got wardens with three inch reach, and now you yeah. literally can't stand on an objective without a warden being able to hit you, and they're only yeah. sixty five points, and now you just get blendered immediately by a warden, and you yeah. not only have you died but you've died to something 40 points cheaper than you right yeah I mean, it's, right it's exactly disaster. yeah so i yeah that ability does look good but i don't know if i don't know if the idol arc is good enough to uh support it i think it depends uh, on your meta like i was saying right like if you've got a like yeah. a high toughness meta i think throwing him in there to do like that one job isn't a bad idea it's not sure. terrible you know, but if you've got a meta where you're playing against a lot of like toughness four, three, toughness four war bands, mm -hmm. you know, you maybe you got like a lot of um, uh, he knights of Slanesh, you got like a lot of um, uh, uh, daughters of Cain or something like that, you know, or, yeah. or a lot of the regular war bands that are out there that are usually toughness three, four. I, w I would go with more of the big damage boys, yeah, you know, so. I'd be pretty uh, concerned about running this warband into something like Slanesh in general. Yeah. Just because they can both outmaneuver you and put enough damage out that they punish you for being glass cannons. Yep. Right? Whereas, yep. um, and they also have more bodies than you, so they can kind of dance around your activations a little bit, come after mm -hmm. the people who have already activated, stuff like that. Um, the place where I think that these are amazing are obviously into all these really tough uh, elite warbands. I think uh, I think all of the super elite warbands yeah. should be really scared of Jade Obelisk in general. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Because, you know, 12 wounds on your kind of better fighters is not a lot. I mean, 
right that that won't survive um maybe even one activation depending on how things go it depends depending you know. on yeah what you're looking at like the mega yeah. boss will be able to take them down in one shot stuff like that yeah. but your average fighters won't and so i think it'll be one of those situations where like the jade obelisk maybe your biggest most memorable fighter is going to be blowing them off the board but then the rest of their guys are just going to be really beating up your middle of the road guys right um, should be interesting i don't know i yeah. do think they're not terrible just because when you're the best at something that's you know that's something it's not going to be a disaster that's something right yeah but um but so, i think yeah, there's and, a lot of work to do if you want to make them really good this and this is why i said i think straight out of the box i think they're an average warband mm -hmm. you know yeah. um so that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at uh aesthetic wise lore wise a plus man a plus for the yeah, aesthetic incredible and they're 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 amazing so yeah very good all right well thank you for the breakdown on the jade obelisk my friend uh let's get to the let's get to the faq which is kind of like the the main main topic that we want to talk about today um i've got it here that i can share so that we can kind of go through and make sure that we're not skipping anything um really important sure oh that's not the one i wanted to share okay hold on Technical <laughs> difficulties, folks. Well, Technical difficulties. Here, I'll bring up yeah, one go that ahead. I just mentioned. While, while you're bringing that up, you talked about the Eidolark, um kind of flying mm -hmm. being a little bit more punished with treasures now than it was before. So one of the big changes is that they changed the way treasures work so that if you pick a treasure up mid-move, if you've moved you know, up to two, basically it reduces two from your movement immediately when you pick mm -hmm. it up. Whereas it used to be in the first version of 2.0 that it would only do that if you started a move action while holding a treasure. Right. So you could often do something which felt really, really unfair, which was run up right next to the treasure yep. and wait, then start your next action and start your move, move one one hundredth of an inch, pick up the treasure through that, and then keep going at your maximum move speed. Right, right. And that was just like a really dirty exploit that was just horrible, yeah. horrible to play against. So, so I never thought about that until I read it. And I'm like, oh, that's dirty. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I did it to Jason at uh, at Nova, actually. Oh, nice. Well yeah, done. Yeah, with my Mizzen Master. Um, yeah, it feels really, really icky. Um, and so I'm really glad that they closed that loophole. That's wonderful. That's just like a purely good change. Nothing nothing to complain about. Yeah, and it still has the same things, right? You can't fly um, for the remainder of that move action as well, right? And um, basically it says if the fighters move further than the modified move characteristic before they picked it up, that move action ends. So it's like nowhere serious about this, <laughs> right? Um, I think the only thing that they missed out on here, um, and I don't know, you, you can tell me if you think this is a feature or a bug. I think it's a bug. They should make it so you can't teleport with treasure as well. Yeah. There's only um, one model in the game, right, where it's like a real problem. 
They're, yeah, the, but you could also do it with the um, you could also do it with the uh, um, Dreadblade Hero. Oh, you can. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So Dread, Dreadblade Hero and the Tree Revenant uh, Scion right. are the ones that can that are like the big ones that you can do right. So, um, and I saw a game get won by that, and the guy looked at me and he's like, "This feels like he's cheating here." And I looked at him and I'm like, "He's not." I know it feels that way, but rules is yeah. written like this is totally legal you know so and I, we're not uh, seeing sylvaneth just like run rampant through the meta maybe right. that's because there's not that many treasure missions i don't know um but i agree that it's it's not it doesn't feel great when it happens yeah uh and we are seeing some people ally in tree revenants into their yep. war bands um so yeah yeah, I think I agree with you, although, man, if you can't teleport with a treasure, then all of a sudden, Sylvaneth needs to get some buffs, because... Some serious buffs. That's one of, like, I would say that's the only thing they do that feels... I mean, I guess they have a netter, which is good. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. they're just... They're pretty... If it weren't for their two really game-warping abilities, they would just be really really bad um so i would like to see if that happens you know yeah. sylvaneth gets some other love elsewhere but who knows absolutely well let me um let me move up to the top of the document and maybe we can just kind of work down and if there's ones sure. that i think are in, that, that are interesting then maybe we can talk about this um so the first one that i see here is uh from the core rulebook attack actions this is a big one right here that they needed clarification on. And I felt like the spirit of it was sort of there, but the rules as written, you could not legally put it in. And that is um, a missile action cannot target an enemy fighter that is within one inch of another fighter from the attacking fighters warband, unless both of the following are true. Okay. And so this is that, that it was missing that last part right there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So both of these things have to be true for you to not be able to target an enemy fighter. One, that attack action has no minimum range. And three, the attacker is within three inches of the enemy fighter. Yep. Right. So um, what we saw is like um, there was like, for example, the javelin on um, some of the Stormcast models. That was like an eight-inch spear throw, right? Yep. Um, I think mo I think a lot of warbands have the like, like eight-inch range. Javelin profile is actually pretty common, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you've got that javelin that's like eight inches, and it had no minimum range, and so you could use it as a melee weapon. But if you had a fighter that was there with you, even if you were in melee, they wouldn't let you use it, right? Right. So. You can get um, completely stuck not being able to do anything sometimes. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of like, oh, I can't do anything here, which didn't make sense, right? Because it's a javelin. You should be able to still use it as a spear, right? Yep. And so basically it's saying, look, as long as even, yes, we know that it has a zero to eight inch range. As long as that fighter is within three inches, they can still use that weapon as a melee is basically what this fact is saying. Mm -hmm. So I think um, I think that's very clear, and I think it's very good, a very good change. There. And it makes a lot of sense, too, in terms of shooting into combat, where right. you don't shoot into combat because you're afraid of hitting your friends. Well, if you're within three inches, you know, 
you're accurate enough you're not so worried about hitting your friend anymore so yeah makes a ton of sense yep yep so that was a that was a welcome change because i think we all intellectually knew that that's what they sort of meant i think mm -hmm. by it but the rules as they were written didn't allow us to play it that way yep because it was just not that clear so um all right the other thing is this big one this is a really big one it's the raised fighters yep. okay so what is interesting about this fact in my opinion is that they have gotten to the point where they recognize that there's you know resurrection abilities especially on death that you can bring models back um to the point it like it is happening so much that they're calling them a separate name. They're calling them raised or raised fighters. They're not like, you know, fighters that have been returned or resurrected yep. fighters. They're calling them raised fighters and they're describing when you have a raised fire, what does that mean? Right? So soul blight grave Lords can do it. Uh, night hunt can do it. I don't think that Caradron or not Caradron. Sorry. The, um, um, the ghoul guys, the uh, flesh eater corpse, no, Feck can't do it. do it, but um, the things like tarantulas um, through do it. There's yep, it's scattered okay. throughout the game, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so anyway, a uh, following rules apply to the raised fighters raised fighters cannot be activated, use abilities, or make up or make reactions in the combat phase in which they're set up. Huge change there, right? huge change because it used to be that as long as they hadn't activated before they could come on and activate again which could you be could a... do it for something that had died in the previous round so you had yeah. this whole smorgasbord of this toolbox that you could yep. raise at any time go into any combat and you could just raise something to then go kill something really really easily and it just yep exponentially increased the killing power of a lot of these lists because it was it turned resurrection not only into an activation advantage situation mm -hmm. or a attrition situation but also into a burn spell because yeah. you would take something that had died in a completely separate part of the board and just throw it forward you know yeah, often with pretty fast models because you could do it. You can still do this part, but you could do it with uh, like flyers who would fly across the board, charge, mm -hmm. attack, then resurrect something to then continue the attacks. Yeah, it was very, very busted. Yeah, especially like, you know, you send your guy into an area where all the activations had been used up, mm -hmm. summon a, a grave guard, and he just goes to town. Right, because they can't, they can't act to respond anymore yeah exactly exactly so um so that's that's a huge thing they can't even they can't even do anything that turn that they're set up i think that's a, a really good move um raised fighters cannot use heroic traits or artifacts or and cannot spend or gain levels of renown okay that's for like the narrative stuff uh raised fighters are not affected by any abilities that affected them when they were taking taken down so if they got like um a plus three to attack or something like that and they died before they were able to take advantage of it. They don't get to use that when they come back. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because they can't, again, activate in that round, right? Yep. Uh, while they're on the battlefield, race fighters are not considered to have been taken down. So that is interesting in some of the um, victory conditions, right? Yep. And uh, after a battle, race fighters are considered to have been taken down in that battle. So... That well, I I just kind of misspoke there. I guess for victory conditions, that fighter is considered to have been taken down 
after the battle of that. But there are some missions where you count the numbers of fighters that were taken down in that round. And yeah. so for um, Reaper, they actually weirdly yeah. didn't make it that much clearer, right? I think you'd have right. to, I could very much see someone reading this once and not understanding how it works in Reaper. Um, yeah. But right now, it does stop you from scoring points. It does stop your opponent from scoring points in Reaper because while they're on the battlefield, they're not taken down. And mm -hmm. then after the battle, they are taken down. But yeah. Reaper has already checked to see if you get the points, and so you don't get the points. Um, so, so one of the things, yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. One of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about in relation to that is the fact that they did change the summon undead minions with the Soul Blight Grave Lords, and I think that this was another nerf to the Soul Blight Grave Lord Grave Guard list that was out there. Right, they had like ton of Grave Guard. They would summon them. They'd come on the board again and just fight, fight, fight. The full big effect, full health, and and the reason why is because they had the minion rune mark on them, and um, basically it said if you summon, if you you know summon a fighter that has been taken down, and has a minion rune mark, they come back full health, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can never get rid of these guys, right? Right. So um basically it says here that um if you summon so this is the soul blight grave lords hero ability summon undead minions if you summon a minion um the, the or a model that has a minion room mark you set it up wholly within three inches of the fighter and it comes back with full health if you summon a fighter that has an elite rune mark you only remove the number of damage points allocated equal to the value of the ability. So now instead of coming back at full health, the max that that um, so that uh, that grave guard will come back with is um, full. Uh, what six health left? Right. Max instead of ten, which is much more reasonable. I yeah. do think Soul Blight Grave Lords are still one of the stronger yes. factions in the game, yeah. just because yeah. you know Grave Guard are still ridiculously points efficient. They're still really Skeletons good. are yeah. still ridiculously good, but it's going to make them feel a little bit less unfair to play against, just mm -hmm. because the tricks are not as absurd. Uh, before they had both the most powerful fighters in the game and the best ability in the game, yeah, and now. You know, only one of those is true. So that's great. Yeah. Um, and so they added the elite remark to Seneschal, Skeleton Champion with May, Skeleton Champion with Albert, Graveguard, um, like all different kinds of the Graveguards. And so what you see is basically the zombies and skeletons, not the champions, basically retain the root, uh, minion remark. So they can come back full health with that. Um. Yeah. Okay. So going through that, that was pretty good right there. We talked about the treasure. Um, here's a big one right here, Dan. You want to read that one for us? I cannot read it on this tiny screen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna need sorry. You to That's okay. I'll do me. it. I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. Now can I can read it. All right. Can, can I, I use Blade, Blade yeah, go ahead. fighters from the Toma Champions or White Dwarf in Warcry? Yes. Use the rules found on page 91 of White or white dwarf 482 which are not clear at all and don't use those <laughs> rules just know that they would not have that it would not have counted unless they were saying yes here which is right. great 
So all yeah. of the Bladeborne profiles that we've ever gotten are totally valid. Uh, the fact that they call out the Tome of Champions here is great. Now, that was the there's, yeah. there's a little bit of fun kind of exploiting to do with kind of a lot of the Bladeborne fighters are on the old 1.0 points algorithm. So mm -hmm. you can get fast fighters now for cheap where you couldn't before. Uh, which oh, is kind of point. interesting. It also means a lot of the 1.0 Bladeborne fighters are completely unplayable. Do you remember how bad Iron Jaws were in 1.0 or how yeah. bad like a lot of the just really expensive tough fighters were that um, anything with high toughness was just so yep. bad? Yep. So that's tough, but there's just... I mean, how much it gave to the game in terms of the things that you could play with, the number of abilities that were out there to play with, all of the yeah. new profiles. Yeah, it's wonderful to see. People have been wanting this ever since 2.0 came out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was like probably the biggest asked question all the time. Can I play with the Bladeborn still, right? And the answer was like, no, but we're hoping in the next fact. So, yeah. Um, so that was a big one. Uh, a lot of the other ones on this page, I don't think that we're really going to go through. Like, it's just like, can you stand on a platform? What does it mean to use an ability? What does it mean to like give, get bonuses? I recommend that you guys all read it because I think it's very important, but, um, it's not super worthy of like what we're going to talk to. The about only today. thing here is the mm -hmm. one where they, uh, if you scroll up a little bit, um, well, there's a couple here where they make it really clear that critical hits and hits oh, yeah. language-wise, there is no yep. overlap there. Anytime something describes hits but not critical hits, that's exactly what it means. You don't, it doesn't change criticals. Uh, anytime something describes crits but not hits, it's just stuck and siloed there. It's also yep. like the Bolt Boy boss gets a little buff here. Um, because if you crit on a four, but you only hit on a five, well, now you still crit on fours. So you yep. do get the full damage there, which is nice. It's um, almost like an increase to your strength. Like yeah, yeah. oftentimes a plus two increase to your strength, you yep. know? Yeah, it adds and your damage and strength, which is great. Yep. yep. So that's great. Yeah. So um, you want to get into the big one now? Yeah, let's talk about it, right? So the big one that happened, I think the earthquake monster shattering change were the points to the monsters that we got um i i have a feeling that after justin orton's win at warhammer world it made a uh, games workshop really go back to the drawing board on monsters <laughs> and then another guy won with a chimera in uh nurgle like a month later mm -hmm. too yep yep so i think that they're like oh okay we really need to address this and what a better time now than now so let's do it so basically you saw across the board the cost of monsters go up significantly yeah, right usually so, around 100 points sometimes yeah. more yeah sometimes more so the only one that went up by less than that was the dank hold trogoth mm -hmm. which probably only should have gone up by like 20 points but <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly um, so yeah let's break it down so in general, like we said, they all went up around 100 points. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, and I'll ask you too, 
I think it was a little heavy-handed in that I think some monsters really shouldn't have gone up that high. Um, should have really gone up like 50 points, maybe. Yeah. 75 points, but not 100. And one monster probably could have gone up even a, a little, little bit, bit more. more. Hmm, uh, I wonder which one that was, Dan. So <laughs> the Chimera is now 515 points. I've yeah. played with it twice since yep. the nerf and it is one and one so i brought it to my local play group once i won a minor victory actually my opponent was still able to kind of do some stuff pre-nerf it would have been a major victory they would not have cleared enough things to count as half of my warband so yeah. that does make a difference right uh turns a major win into a minor win uh the second time i played it in like a personal testing game against the list I took to Nova. And uh, the Karadrin, like Thundercat daycare list actually ended up winning. So the Chimera lost. Um, so it's it's certainly not as overpowering as it was before, but it I think it's yeah. still pretty good. You said you also played with a Chimera once since the nerf, right? Um, not since the nerf. It was literally the day before the nerf happened. Oh, okay. Okay. Literally the day before. <laughs> and so, I mean, I was sitting here going and it was so funny because it, it was Andy as I, as we're talking about, he was playing it. He's cause I played uh it was a, um, um, what was it? What was his list? It was a slaves to darkness list. I think that he had with his Camara. Okay. Maybe not too important what the exact list is. Yeah. But anyway, valid anyway. Yeah. 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 But uh, the point was, is that like, it was uh, no beast of chaos. Sorry, he's playing beast of chaos, and so, it, like, I was doing well against the beast of chaos, but that chimera was just wrecking me. Like, I couldn't stay on an objective because it was the dragon mall, right? Yep. And and all this stuff. And the whole time he's like, "I'm sorry, this should be like up in points. I'm sorry, this shouldn't really be this cheap." <laughs> and sure enough, like the day later, right, literally the day after, like it goes up in points. So, um, my it's issue. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, go, on. go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was, I was gonna say gonna my issue. <laughs> Sorry. You go. You go. <laughs> my issue is that the Chimera is five hundred and fifteen points, uh -huh. and the Terrorgeist is five hundred points, and the Zombie Dragon is five hundred and forty. Like yeah. that makes no sense to me because the Terrorgeist has a freaking dinner plate as a base that is really hard to get it into where you need it to be, depending yeah. on the board. And um, it doesn't have the same strength and damage output on its regular attacks as the Chimera does. You know, yeah, so Terrorgeist at four seventy-five, Zombie Dragon at five hundred probably would have been pretty fair, and yeah. then Chimera at five forty. If I could reshuffle I those, right. I think that's yeah. where I would put everything. But overall, I'm not too upset about it. What I've found is the Chimera will still wreck you, right? Because the profile's yes. the same as it was before. Yeah. But there's so much less to the opponent's warband now, other mm -hmm. than the Chimera, that as long as you have like a warband that's kind of well put together to do this, but you can just go wreck their warband and just right. avoid the Chimera. And before, <laughs> you know, they would have a whole 120 points worth of extra stuff to like not get wrecked with whereas yeah. now it's like the chimera is literally more than half of their warband they're going to have a deployment group 
with only like 200 points in it you know right. because that chimera they've only got 485 points to play with right one of their deployment yep. groups is going to be a respectable normal deployment group but probably one of them is going to be really tiny and have like nothing good in it so yep. you can just like blow one of their deployment groups completely off the board um and kind of really bully the rest of their warband around that way and and you can get some wins there i do think good lists with chimeras are still going to be pretty good but i don't think they're necessarily like the game breaking cutting edge of the format the way they were 100 and you know that was that was the issue that i ran into we he had um optimized that chimera list with the um beast of chaos and so he had a lot of cheap chaff models that i had to chew through and um, just by the time I got done killing most of them, like the the Camaro was there to clean up, right? Yep. So Whereas with that same two left, yeah, exactly. So I mean, now he'd only have four models in a Camaro, probably, you know, maybe five. Yeah, that's a so, totally different proposition to chew through those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially like with a Gorgrunta could kill two of them in a turn with a rampage, you know what I mean? Like yep. <laughs> in one battle group. So um, it's very different. Um, my opinion, I think that it was well done. I think that you, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, some of them went up higher than they should. And Andy said, Oh, you know, like the dank hold Trogoth is paying for the sins of my chimera. And I said, they're all paying for the sins of the Dragon Maul. That's what they're all paying for right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. You know, because that ability is just too good. I think the there's a there's a combination of stuff there, right? Mm -hmm. One, um, the the first thing is is that you can pull from like six inches away, which is pretty, which is pretty far. Yeah. Um <laughs> oh my gosh, my dog is freaking out on me. Hold on fan um you can pull from six inches away which is pretty far but then you get to set them up clear on the other side of your base yeah right so it's like a 10 inch like difference and it does of, too like, much movement. damage doing three yeah. for every four up is absurd yeah. um exactly it's yeah there's just it does too much if it did if it did one damage and yeah. for every four up and it was a pull the way the slaughter priest or the great bray shaman pulls are Yep. I think that would be pretty reasonable. Um and then it's still reasonable for a triple. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Still very good for a triple. And so then everything except the Chimera would have been properly pointed at its old points yep. value. And then you would just have to put the Chimera up. And at five fifteen, even with that change, it would be like not that good, right? So you'd want to put it yeah. up to, you know, a little bit higher than or sorry, lower than that, like 480 yeah. 475 something like that so i agree with you they're all really paying for dragon mall just being um just written just very very uncharacteristically poorly i'm generally for pretty Warcry, impressed yeah. at the at the rules writing in this game and that ability just seems like someone copy pasted i don't know someone just didn't read it someone just didn't it never even occurred to them that that it could be used i don't know i don't know what happened with that ability but it's so bad i agree and the thing is is it's so good that you don't even read any of the other triples for a monster yeah who cares or who for cares chaos because yeah, right? honestly oh, yeah, if chaos. you were trying yeah. to win in chaos 
the correct thing because they had all the best monsters, right? They yep. had chimeras, but also like gorgons are like the second best monster and right, cygors right. are the third best monster and so, yeah like they yeah, had all totally. the best monsters and so you're just dragging and mauling and that's like why play a chaos ability other than that now actually there is one chaos ability that uh people were playing enough that gw noticed and nerfed it uh-huh and that was lead from the back which oh, was yes. also nerfed in this FAQ. Uh, maybe we can get through that and the Tempest Eye ability quick before we're done. But lead yeah. from the back went from uh, adding half the number uh, or half of the ability in attacks. So potentially plus two attacks, potentially plus three attacks. Uh, it now yep. only adds one attack uh, in a still pretty reasonable bubble. I think it's a six inch bubble. Yeah. yeah, add one to the attack's characteristic within six inches of this fighter. So uh, much, much weaker now, obviously, mm -hmm. like one third of the quality as before. But it was sort of one of the things that people were doing in a lot of their chaos uh, factions. Yeah, I don't think it was overwhelmingly good or really needed a nerf, but it was very good. You know, and it was something right. that corn and iron golems in particular were using to great effect because yep. they had the uh, profiles that combo with it really well. Like you want things like the Askergen True Blades actually, but you want yeah, yeah. low attack, high damage. And a couple factions had that and were making great use of Skaven allies. Um, kind of too bad because I think Skaven in general just really, really stumble from that they were not doing particularly scary things other than, anyway yeah so that hurts for skaven but yeah it reminds me of um age of sigmar when i first started playing i had a whole bunch of um uh grim ghast reapers right mm -hmm. and they were good in the night hunt faction they were amazing in the legions of Nagash oh, faction, because you could keep bringing right. them back. Uh -huh. And so because people kept using them in Legion of Nagash, they upped the point cost for them overall, which made them unplayable in night hunt. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that sucks. Cause oh. they're a night hunt unit. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. they were, again, they were like, okay. in I, I mean, they were good in night hunt, but they were phenomenal in another faction. And so I feel like this is the same thing here, right? Yeah, sure. Where they were, it was good in Skaven and Skaven needed that to be competitive. But now because other people were using it where it wasn't intended necessarily, um, they kind of nerfed the whole thing. And now nobody gets to play with the ball, right? So, and so now any hope of doing something in Skaven other than like... Well, any hope of using the cheap fighters in Skaven right. is just completely gone because you're yep. not sort of boosting them or pumping them. You know, there's still some really expensive fighters that are good, like Storm Fiends are good, Rat Ogres are good, yeah. Death yep. Masters are good. They've got good fighters. You can make really good Skaven warbands. But, man, like, they were not abusing this ability. To, so no. to, to see it busted up like this hurts for them but um i get it i don't i don't think yeah. gw was necessarily wrong for making this change i right. think uh the ability was kind of standing out a little bit more than it needed to 
Yeah, tallest blade of grass there, right? Yeah. First, so. Yep. And, um, uh, and it, sim- similar with here. the Tempest Eye. Yep, for Tempest Eye. Swift as the Wind now is like every other movement ability, and it was mm-hmm. weird that it wasn't uh, before. Yeah. But um, until the end of the battle round, add half the value of this ability rounding up to the move characteristic. So they had already done this with, say, Wa, uh, and then yep. the Flesh Eater Quartz one, they... they uh, it was working like Tempest Eye. They clarified that in the previous FAQ. And now they came for Swift as the Wind, uh, getting yeah. them all kind of in line with each other. I think it's for the best for the game. Um, I was sad because I was using it in the old way, but also I never ever rolled fives or sixes. So right. it doesn't affect <laughs> me that much. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean it was it, it was it was great while it lasted, right? And I mean it makes sense in the way that the algorithm is pointed towards movement that they don't want to give a bonus that like counter out counteracts that, right? Because right. I think one of the biggest things is you would find a lordling or something like that that was like a hundred points. Yep. that could do this and you just throw him in there and let him like basically make all your people move like crazy. So or you um, could just have because because the cheap fighters or sorry, the slow fighters are so damage efficient point for point, you could just use dispossessed, which are the three inch moon yep. dwarves. Yep. And you could have dispossessed from Tempest Eye. And you wouldn't need to run any fast fighters in your list. You could just right. only use three inch move fighters in order. You could like have a dispossessed hero and then a bunch of annihilators, or a dispossessed hero and a bunch of fire slayers, and right. you could cover the board like a fast war band with no fast fighters, and so all of your fighters had the damage efficiency that that slow fighters do, except you were fast. So anyway, wasn't making people feel good. Um, yeah, and I get it. So a lot of people were complaining that slow war bands combined with speed buffs were kind of too good. And now the best speed buff has kind of been clipped. So I think overall this January FAQ that came out is like an A plus in my opinion. I mean, well, maybe I'll give it an A because as you mentioned, maybe some of the monsters were not quite pointed hundred percent accurately, Um, but I think it's an A overall because I do think it fixed some major issues, the movement issues here, the summoning issues that we saw, right? The uh, shooting in the melee with essentially a melee weapon, um, you know, like all of these things I think were good, solid clarifications that all of a sudden changed the meta that we had yeah. because we were looking at Graveguard spam, Chimera spam. Um, maybe not Chimera spam, but spam in terms of like many lists having Chimeras, right? Right. Um, we were looking at Tempest Eye like allies, like being the ally to go to. Um, so now I think what it's done is it's pushed the meta into a much more, um, it's got much more parity across the board. And now you're able to look at different allies that maybe you wouldn't before because there's no real obvious choice right yep. like i'm not going to look everything at everything that was ones. really popular and working well for a lot of different people has all been nerfed um, yeah even gloom spike gets destruction soup their reaction now we've missed this one but their reaction mm-hmm. only 
boosts other gloom spike gets so now souping with gloom spite isn't as powerful as it was before right. so yeah totally changed the meta and i think in a good way right like because sometimes and you know i've been around gw for a while now uh oftentimes when they make changes sometimes it's not for the best <laughs> you know sure. sometimes they swing and they whiff badly and um, not so with this. I feel like that there was some really legitimate thought put into the FAQ here, um, correcting some obvious mistakes, but also writing some, you know, technical wrongs maybe that mm -hmm. um, now put us on some pretty good footing with each other. So now, you know, I walked away from playing that Camaro list with my bone splitters list. I walked away from playing a destruction soup list and thinking, I've got a good bone splitters list that is competitive, but it's not a winner. It won't win. Sure. But now I think that that bone splitters list can be a winner. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I think and there's that, a that's lot of great. approaches now that maybe wouldn't work before that could, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So overall, very positive about this. I think it was done for the best. I feel bad for people who built their list around certain things that just aren't there anymore, but there's still some very viable options, even with those same things. I mean, maybe not with a Camara, but with a lot of other things, right? There's still a lot of great options. And I can't wait to see what we get at Adepticon with this new FAQ, because I think it's going to be maybe one of the most competitive Warcry tournaments we've ever seen. And our next episode is going to be the week before Adepticon, and I yep. can't wait for us to give our predictions. Oh, I know. I'm I'm so I'm so excited for it. So, um, everybody, thank you so much for uh, tuning in with us today, Dan. Thank you as always. I know we went two hours, which is a little <laughs> long, but we had so much to talk about. You and yep. I were talking about this like a week ago or two ago, seeing like we got so much to get through. Yep. Um, but I appreciate everybody sticking with us and, and listening to the to uh, the podcast today. As always, we appreciate your insights, uh, Dan. And um, for those that uh, are maybe not 100% familiar with Dan's uh, work, go check out the Salty Sea YouTube channel. Um, he's got a lot of great videos that are up there. I'll link it down in the uh, description below on the YouTube channel, as well as the uh, – podcast uh show notes basically like if you go in there you should be able to see links to his podcast channel or, or uh, youtube channel as well so uh with that everybody have a great night uh feel free to leave in the comments what we're doing right or wrong but have a great night and uh keep the dice rolling